0: Whether you're new to the Wiregrass area or you've been here your whole life, you're going to learn something new about the community. Hey, I'm Bethany B and this is episode 39 of Welcome to the Wiregrass. Today, my guest is Peter Wong and you are with House of Ruth, which we're going to talk more about in a few minutes But i always start off my interviews asking about the 411. So tell me a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you as a person.
1: So I'm gonna start by saying that I serve on the board of the House of Ruth, so I don't technically work for them. I just, you know, it's one of the things that we do in the community. Um, I am the uh, priest in charge at the Episcopal Church of the Nativity. I've been there since 2012, and also serve as a police chaplain for the Dothan Police Department on a volunteer basis. So. That's kind of a professional of four one one. I grew up in South Mississippi. I've lived most of my life in the I ten corridor, except for the three years when I was in Tennessee doing seminary. But um, the the I ten corridor is home for me. So, you know, I went to school in Tallahassee, um, finished my degree in Pensacola, and then you know made my way up to Tennessee and came down here right after seminary. So I've been here since then.
0: And how long have you been here for?
1: Eight years. Eight years. Eight long. years. Long time. Almost. I'm. Two months shy? Two months shy of eight years exactly.
0: My so. one year is coming up in just a few days. All right. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Um So you're part of House of Ruth. Again, what was your role with I House? serve
1: on the Board of Directors. Serve on the Board
0: of Directors. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the organization.
1: So the House of Ruth is the domestic violence shelter that serves this part of Alabama. We serve nine counties in South Alabama, uh, pretty much the entire southeast corner. We have facilities where women can shelter if they are victims of domestic violence. We help them with legal advocacy. We help them with getting their life back on track once they've gotten out of an abusive situation. Uh, And we've been doing that in this area for 30-some years, I believe. So um, it's a a place that really does a great work that's vastly necessary. Um, And we have great partnerships with folks in law enforcement folks in the community that's the main thrust of what we do is is advocating for women in this part of the world
0: how did you get to be a part of the organization what drew you to it
1: well shortly after i got here uh, i met beverly youse who's the executive director wonderful woman who has tirelessly been working on this for a long long time Um, and she asked me if i would be interested in serving on the board and i said yes and I've been there pretty much ever since. I think I started in, I think I started in 2015, um, because that was about the time that things started to settle down enough in my my personal life and my professional life that I could really branch out and do that. So I've been with them uh, for quite some time now, and, and very very blessed to be a part of that organization and the work they do.
0: What else do you get to do to be a part of the organization?
1: Well, we do two major fundraisers a year, one of which is the Walk-A-Mile that we'll talk about. The other is we do gift wrap at the mall every year. And so the entire month of December, you've got volunteers and board members who are out there at the mall. Uh, pretty much from the time they open to the time they close, wrapping presents for you, so that folks like myself who are not particularly good at wrapping presents <laughs> and making them look presentable for spouses or family or anybody else, um, and folks who just want to support the organization and you know have us do that little service for them. We also spend a lot of time during that time, really talking to people in the community about the organization, what we do, where we, you know, how they can get in touch with us. Um, and where we have a presence in the community, so...
0: I actually helped a little bit with wrapping gifts. Did you? Mm -hmm. I was terrible at it, so they didn't ask me to join. No, you don't have to be good at it. We'll ask
1: you to do it again, even if you're not good at it.
0: I'll get Uh, better. (laughs) But it was fun, because you get to meet people, and it all all goes towards a great cause, too. mm -hmm. And the wrapping paper you get to choose is great. And the people who were wrapping gifts next to me were like professionals. Like, they were so good at it. Some
1: of the people who've been doing it for a long time are really, really good at it. It's not my giftedness. Mm -hmm. If you want a plain, you know, rectangular box wrapped. I can do that pretty well. When we get into weird shapes, mm-hmm. or like people have brought us like gift baskets before that we then have to figure out how to wrap, and they don't—they're just a little bit too big to get the paper around sideways, and so then we have to get creative. Mm-hmm. That—that's why we have the folks who have been out there for years. Uh, we've had a group of folks from our church, um, and some of the some of the women, some of the men, actually do wonderful jobs gift wrapping with us you'd be surprised at the number of guys who come out there and they're just on it just knocking them out and making them look beautiful and professional and you just kind of sit back and that's the other thing that you get to do as the board is if you have enough volunteers you can kind of sit back and coordinate and and, you know go out and we had a group of uh students from ha one of the days when Mm -hmm. i was out there and we had enough volunteers to wrap and so we just sent them out into the mall with flyers and they went around and just handed people flyers and tried to drum up business and they did a great job so
0: i was only there for about an hour when I was there, one or it was like two guys, and they brought two cart full of presents to be wrapped, oh, which is yeah. great, because that money goes right back to mm-hmm. House of Ruth. Yeah. I yeah. was leaving at the time, so I didn't get any of my amazing gift wrapping skills. Well, <laughs> you know,
1: next time, next time. There next time, I definitely do who... want to help
0: out, because it is fun, because you get to meet people, too. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you do get a real sense that you're doing something that's positive. Um, and more importantly, it, it's one of the things that we do to stay connected to the community and to have a presence. And that's an important part of what we do is having people know who we are and what we do and why we're here and why it's important that we have support from folks in the community.
0: Do you always take volunteers for gift wrapping? wrapping oh yeah, then? Okay. Yeah,
1: we will always take volunteers. We had We had a couple of folks come out this year when I was working who were, they came out and they knew full well they should not be wrapping gifts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so some of them did, you know, they, they would restock supplies for us. They would talk to folks. They, It's a great opportunity to just come out and be a part of something that's really a great benefit to the community at a time when everybody's sort of in that giving spirit. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in that um, jovial mood. And the people who aren't are, you know, they show up to get their gifts wrapped because – they just don't have it in them, you know. And you get a chance to talk to them and spend time with them and, and connect with them at a time of year when we really are thinking about the ways we're, you know, touching each other's lives.
0: How do you get to be a volunteer for that? Do they have to contact? Someone?
1: They do not have to contact you if you know somebody who's on the board. If you don't, we have you know a Facebook page, a website. You can call, you can email, and just say, "Hey, I'd like to be involved in that." They will. We will take all commoners for that.
0: And what's the website?
1: It's houseofruthdothan.org.
0: Is House of Ruth a national or is it
1: just no? Local? It's it's local. Okay. House of Ruth was the this the name they came up with. The story of Ruth um, in the Bible is a story of a woman who um, gets um, brought into a family. Um, and brought into a people. Ruth is the widowed daughter in law of Naomi in the book of Ruth, and Ruth becomes an important part of the narrative in the Old Testament. Ruth actually is like the great great grandmother of King David. Uh, even though she's a Moabite woman, she's someone who you know, is from outside of the community, but she gets brought in as part of the community, and that's sort of the spirit that the house of Ruth operates in. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. If you have a need that that we can serve uh, as a victim of domestic violence, you're part of the family and we're gonna do everything we can to support you and uplift you.
0: Awesome, I love that, especially in a time of need when people don't know who to turn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, So there's one fundraising event um, called Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Now we are talking about this because we're like, do we mention it, do we not mention it? With everything going on with coronavirus, right, it is
1: it is postponed. We're not sure what the new date is going to be, but it's a it's a great, fun, wonderful thing that we do in downtown Dothan. Um, we get a bunch of people together, teams from different places in the community, like Farley and the Medical Center, ACOM students, and the organization there have been really supportive and wonderful. Lots of different sponsors in the community. And you get teams of guys together to walk in high heels down a downtown street.
0: Which is not easy. Oh, it's not easy, (laughs) but it
1: is hilariously funny. I mean, it is riotously funny (laughs) to see these gurus. And most of the guys who do this, there's some of us who have been doing it for a few years. And, yeah, we've kind of got our thing down with our heels. But there are a lot of there are a lot of baby giraffe looking guys walking around downtown uh, and it's a gathering of way more than 50 people usually and so that's one of the reasons that we're postponing it just for safety reasons. Yeah. It's so much fun to see and It's a great opportunity for groups to organize. I've tried to talk folks at at, um, the gym that I go to into doing a team. Anybody can do a team. The sponsorships are not that expensive when you look at it. And you can enter a team of eight, I think, for a $500 sponsorship. And then just go around and raise funds and get your guys to – Walk around in you know heels somewhere else, which number one gives them good practice, mm-hmm. and number two raises the awareness. And if you you know if you say okay, well we're gonna we're gonna do a team sponsorship for five hundred, but then you've got eight guys who are going out to their social circles, their you know um, athletic circles, whatever it is, and you get all of them raising money. You may wind up raising a thousand dollars, and a thousand dollars doesn't sound like much in the great and grand scheme of that budget but it makes a huge difference mm-hmm. in meeting the needs of the shelter and the needs of the people who it serves. Any amount helps. Any amount helps. And the other thing about that is we, when you get 10, 15 organizations who will do that, then it gets exponential. And what we can do, you know, much like any of the charities and organizations in the community, we can do so much more with your gifts than you could do on your own. Right. You could not go out and hire a lawyer to represent someone who's in a domestic violence case seeking to get away from an abuser for a thousand dollars. You couldn't. We can. You know, we have those relationships. We have those uh, access to those things. So we can do that. Um, And so it's it's a way to multiply your money to make more good happen in the community.
0: And with uh, Walk-A-Mile in her shoes, now this is a common, um, maybe dumb question. The guys, where do they find their heels? Do they borrow them? Do they go out to the stores to buy these heels? What is going on?
1: (laughs) you can do any number of things. We have heels that we order from um, various and sundry sites. Uh, I think the largest pair that we usually have available is a men's size 15. Yeah. Um, and the, the heels that, that we will have for you are fairly standard. It's like a maybe a three-inch heel. It's a red shoe, kind of narrow. There are some of us, though, who have gone uh, bigger. Um, the first year that I did it, I actually uh, I bought a pair of purple shoes because it fell during the church season of Lent, and, mm-hmm. and I couldn't be there for the actual walk. We usually do it the weekend before Easter, and I couldn't be there for the actual walk. I was going to be in Atlanta doing a wedding. And so I bought this. I went on the Internet and bought a pair of purple glitter heels. <laughs> and the first pair that popped up, I looked at them and I'm like, okay, I guess this is what I buy. And I bought them in a size that I thought would be an appropriate size for me. And they're there's a shade too small. Mm. But it's also a six-inch stiletto. Oh my
0: goodness! And, I can't even
1: wear that. But, yeah, I, I discovered that that's a really hard thing to do. But what I did is I did a church service. I told the folks in my congregation, if we can raise this amount of money, then I will do, I will do the entire church service in this pair of heels. And I did, and they, you know, they matched the vestments really well, um, and it was. It was hard. Like when I got to the back of the church, I took my shoes off to mm-hmm. greet people because I could not stand in those things. Did you get blisters, Tim? I did not get blisters. I, I just it was painful. It was really painful, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I thought about the fact that you know a lot of people walk around in shoes like this all the time, and and it's sort of that old thing you know, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, and that's sort of what you're doing is you're you're putting yourself in someone else's position so that. Um, so that you can empathize a little bit more
0: and now guys understand our pain when yeah. we're in tears yeah. like our Oh, feet absolutely. <laughs> and,
1: and when you know anytime my wife wants to take <laughs> her shoes off when we've been out somewhere i not only will do i support that decision <laughs> i will carry them i will go to the car and get her flats <laughs> if she wants you know it's 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 changed my perspective on that a lot good um, husband <laughs> well and then the funny thing about that is the next year we did it, it was really overcast and it had been raining. And I was getting ready to offer a blessing on our time before the actual walk. And I had on those same purple stilettos because I was like, I, I own these now. I'm going to, this is what I'm going to wear. And I took one step onto the grass and my heel, like the entire heel, just went yep. right into the mud. And I realized I can't walk over to where everybody is because everybody was over in the grass. So I was like, I'm just going to use my big loud voice, and I'm going to say a blessing over y'all from here, because if I try to walk over there, I'm going to be stuck. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to have to stand here the entire walk, because my heels will both be in the mud. Um, last year, I, you know, last couple of years, I've, I went to the same website, and I bought a red pair. Um, and then last year, I, you know, I got cocky. I was thinking, you know, okay, this is easy. I'm just, you know, I know what I'm doing, and i I am. I'm, you know, schlepping down Foster Street in a pair of red stilettos, and I turned to say something to somebody who was behind me and didn't see, I I, I don't even know what happened, but I stepped a little bit wrong, and I felt like my first foot came down and I was like, oh, that didn't feel right, and oh, that didn't feel right, and then I thought, okay, one of two things is gonna happen, I'm gonna break an ankle, Or I just have to go into a full shoulder roll here because (laughs) I'm not going to be able to stay up on my feet. So I went down and thankfully I rolled through and popped right back up and I was okay. I finished the walk. (laughs) But I discovered that at some point, and probably it was right then, the heel on one side had bent just, I mean, just maybe a half an inch out of place but i can't walk on them anymore Mm -mm. like it it, they do not function any longer so they're now in the they're now in the injured reserve like my old purple glitter ones (laughs) which were a half size too small and about cut my toe off yeah the red heels from the last couple of years i'm gonna have to either get a new pair or you know go with ones that they've got but you can find them online Um, you can borrow a pair of ours you can borrow a pair from somebody you know if you have someone in your life that has you know heels that'll fit you go ahead and get some.
0: Borrow some of mine if you have a size seven.
1: (laughs) If you have a very small foot, you can borrow some of Bethany's. Yeah. Um, You know, but I, you know, most guys, if if you are looking online, gents, then what I would suggest is you go at least one and a half sizes larger than your actual foot. If you're looking at women's shoes, go about one and a half sizes larger than your foot because you would rather have that extra space at the toe Mm -hmm. than come up short you really would and your heel might slip a little bit in them but you'd rather have that than than have the excruciating pain of having shoes that are a half size too small
0: invest in some band-aids too
1: yes (laughs) invest in some band-aids have some epsom salts at home Mm -hmm. for when you get home um don't complain too much to the women in your life Mm -hmm. because they will not be sympathetic i mean they might be that day but you ain't gonna hear any sympathy from them after that. Cause it is a
0: great workout. It is. Meals. It is. They your, tell your calves you like will you. look.
1: Your calves yep. will look better, gentlemen, than they have ever looked. You will. You will think that you know. Your legs have never looked that mm-hmm. good. But yeah, it's a great workout, and it's it's a great core workout too. You don't think about how much balance it takes mm-hmm. for women to stand on those things um what i found when i was doing the worship service was like i would move my hands and it would shift my center of gravity and i felt that like in ways that i'd never imagined just the basic act of moving leaning to one side mm-hmm. leaning forward you know, I can't imagine having to pick something up off the ground in those like
0: things. Like a kid, a child. Oh, hey,
1: yeah. <laughs> a kid, like, anything. You know, I couldn't pick up a pillow <laughs> with those things on because you do. You 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 move and it changes your entire center of gravity. And it, and it gives you a great appreciation for what the women in our lives do.
0: Well, hopefully this event does happen. So stay tuned. Just bear with everyone and... Will updates be on the website and Facebook page?
1: We'll probably push the updates out through the Facebook page. Okay. We get a lot more traffic on that. the The website itself tends to be more for people who are seeking services.
0: Okay,
1: um, but you know, we'll we'll will be back probably on the radio in print advertising, um, doing everything we can to push the word out when we figure out when we're going to do it and hopefully you know we'll get a whole bunch of folks out there who and here's the other thing even if you don't want to dress up in heels and sponsor a group if you can't afford that come out and watch because it is wildly entertaining mm-hmm. and you'll understand a little bit better about what we're doing and why we're doing it cuz it's it's a great fun community event my <laughs> kids have loved watching their father trapes up and down the street. It's a good laugh. In a pair of heels. Yeah, it Especially is. Especially
0: now with everything going on, you could use oh, yeah. some laughter. Oh, yeah, you could use a good
1: laugh. You could use a good laugh, so.
0: And so you have the gift wrapping, the walk-a-mile, and her shoes. Are there mm-hmm. any other fundraising events that happen there? Those are the our year? two
1: big fundraisers through the year. Those are the two that we really put a lot of effort into. There's some organizations that give to us every month. Um, there are people who will... You know, once in a while, we'll decide that they're going to give something in in terms of a substantial gift. And like I said, you know, the, the gifts that we receive from people multiply, they absolutely multiply back to the community. Uh, because we can do more with you know we can do more with that hundred dollars than we can with a lot of other things.
0: Well, we did say people can volunteer for gift wrapping, yeah. but do you ever need volunteers for anything else? Uh,
1: we don't really need the volunteers for Walk a Mile. We handle most of the registration and things like that. If you want to volunteer to participate. You can do that too. If you can't raise up a team, I think the individual registration, if memory serves me, is like thirty dollars. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you come down, you get to be a part of it. We do some drawings. We have some you know some free things that are provided by some of our sponsors. Um, and so it's it's again it's a, the biggest part of it is just being with the community, supporting something that really means the world to people. You don't imagine what it means to somebody who is in desperate straits, who thinks they have nowhere else to turn, to have people come in and and save their lives and do so without expecting them to pay them for the service, we do this because it needs to be done.
0: How can people donate to House of Ruth?
1: The best way to give, really, if you wanna do that is through the fundraisers that we do. If you wanna be involved in some way, if you wanna give, come down and, and just say I, I want to write a check I, I'm not gonna walk you know my ankles can't take it my knees can't take it you know my, my glutes can't take it whatever <laughs> it is you know but I want to write a check I want to support you I want to be present you know we we need the support of people um, being there um, for instance last year uh, mayor Saliba we, we we auctioned him off for walking basically a block
0: did he walk in heels
1: he walked <laughs> a block in heels and the final bid on that i think was like a thousand dollars so you know and it was just because there were enough people there that you know it started out at like 200 and people were like oh no no i can (laughs) i'll pay more to see him do that and you know we had a couple of officers um chief parish put on a pair of heels one year um it come out and be a part of it that's the best way to support uh, and that'll also connect you to the organization. If you want to donate on a regular basis, then you can do that.
0: And if you're already started Christmas shopping, Now's the time to not buy wrapping paper Yeah, absolutely. And save it for and look, December we 1st. Will,
1: we will absolutely, we'll take the stuff that you bought on Amazon. We'll take the stuff that you picked up when you were on vacation. We'll take, you know, whatever you want and you, hang on to it. Stick it mm-hmm. in your closet in the place where your kids don't look or your wife doesn't look or your husband doesn't look, which really you can put it about anywhere. Or your, your animals. Husband's not look. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it, where your pets can't get to. <laughs> And by all means, bring it out to us, we'll wrap it. You don't have to have bought it at the mall. You don't have to have, you know, all you have to do is give it to us, we'll wrap it. And, you know, sometimes people will, will pay us more than, you know, the mm-hmm. suggested price for boxes. Um, all
0: right, you guys and, do have boxes too, right? Oh, yeah.
1: We've got, like, so, you know, if you bring a shirt, we'll put it in a cardboard box and wrap it for you. You know, we've got organizations that have helped by donating boxes Organizations that have helped by donating wrapping paper, um, so you know we, we do our best to to maximize the amount of profit we can get out of those things, so that we can do the most good.
0: Very cool. You're a priest too, right?
1: I am a priest.
0: Okay, so how do, how does one become a priest? Like, tell me a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> so. In the Episcopal Church uh, and in most, most you know, um, denominations that are like in that vein, right? So like Lutheran, uh, Presbyterian, you go through a process where a group of people from the place, you know, the church where you worship identify in you the spiritual gifts of ministry. And then you go through another process where, you know, the leadership of, the, of that organization kind of looks at you and says, yeah, yeah, we see this. Um, And in my case, what we did is we went to Tennessee for three years for seminary. Um, A friend of mine told me before I left it would be the best two and a half years of my life. And I was like, but it's three years. He said, yeah, the first three months you won't know anybody, and the last three months you'll be sick of everybody. And, And, you know, it really was. It was a great opportunity. I loved being there, but I love the practice of ministry more. Mostly it's about feeling that call and being willing to pursue it. And recognizing that it's going to change everything about the rest of your life. you know It really does. It changes everything about the way you are.
0: What made you want to become a priest?
1: I had been working with teenagers professionally for about 12 years before I went to seminary. Uh, I loved talking to people about their faith. I loved talking to people about their questions, uh, the things they wonder about the things that they're curious about. One of my favorite things about working with teenagers is they don't have all the hangups about not knowing something mm-hmm. that most older people do. And so they'll ask you questions that adults never want to admit that they don't know. Yeah. And I love that because it, it's a willingness to engage with the scriptures and ask questions and poke at it and wonder about your faith so that you can claim it for your own. And I just adored that process. I loved seeing that happen, and I loved watching young teenagers who were curious, questioning, um, turn into faithful adults who really made that a part of their lives. It was sort of a natural progression. I, I do that now with grownups, and one of the things I always tell people, you know, ask any question you want, because if you're wondering it, chances are somebody else is too, mm-hmm. and somebody else probably has before you. And so I, I may not have answers. The other thing that I'm always comfortable telling people is I'm really not sure about that. Let me do some research mm-hmm. and, and get back to you. you. know, And teenagers are great with that. They'll ask really strange questions. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of have to go, I, I have no idea. Nobody's ever wondered that before. <laughs> so I'm going to have to look into it and, and get back to you.
0: The mind of a teenager. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It's that it's unbridled curiosity, mm-hmm. which is just it's fun to watch i try to encourage that in the folks in my congregation
0: learning about religion was actually one of my favorite things in school because i took world history my freshman and uh, sophomore year of high school and i loved it like i loved learning about buddhism and judaism like all the different types of religion it's fascinating
1: yeah the comparative religion piece of it is also really interesting and and some of the work that we do here in dothan um, revolves around the interfaith group so we engage with the the muslim communities here uh, the jewish temple here the, you know, lots of other um, Christian denominations, we get involved in that. And it's it's one of the things that I enjoy most. I've made some great friends at the temple here and just adore being with them. Um, and it's one of those great gifts of being in this community.
0: So interesting. Well, obviously you're a big part of the community. And what, how else are you involved in the community? Or what got you involved with the community when you first moved to the Wiregrass area?
1: I have always been of the opinion that if you're going to serve in a church, you also need to be in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, for a good while before I went to seminary, um, I spent some time bartending, and a lot of it was the same kind of skills, listening to people, figuring out what they need, and, and trying to meet that need, and also just being willing to, to hear what they have to say. People confess things to bartenders that you wouldn't believe. And you know, they, they'll do the same with clergy if you are open to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I've always thought that the more involved I am in the community, the more I know people who are outside of the church, the more likely they are to think that they might have a place in a community of faith. And ultimately that's what I want for the folks that I know is for them to find a place in a community of faith. It doesn't have to be nativity. It doesn't have to be you know any place that I know people. If some conversation that we have that we have leads you to think, you know, maybe I should find a church, and maybe it should be this place, maybe it shouldn't. You got to find your own spot because the the way we worship at Nativity doesn't move everybody. The way they worship at Covenant doesn't move everybody. The way they worship at you know Evergreen Presbyterian doesn't move everybody. You know, the way they worship at Wiregrass doesn't move everybody. You've got to find your spot and your place but I think most anybody can find a community of faith that will uphold them and uplift them if they look.
0: A lot of people who've moved to the Wiregrass area, they say that they felt more involved with the community by joining a church, mm-hmm. and that was their best way to meet people too, yeah. so I yeah. love that when people it say is. that.
1: It is one of the ways to meet people, but you know. by the same token, I also am, like I said, as as the leader of a church part of my job i think is to lead into the community you know we've gotten very involved in lots of other things outside of the church at nativity one of which is the ministry that we do through the bright key program at Selma Street which i cannot say enough about that program it's it's a reading tutoring program and it's just helping kids learn how to read because generally speaking the first 3 years of your schooling you're learning how to read and the mm-hmm. rest of your life you're reading to learn so if you're behind at fourth grade there's a good chance you're going to stay behind and the further you get along the further you're going to be behind so if we can get kids reading up to grade level by third grade we give them a much greater shot at a future and that's important and and that has that has nothing to do you know i'm not i'm not down there to evangelize kids i'm not down there to tell them to come to nativity it's one of the ways in which the church serves the community and gets back into the life of the community that means it might mean the world to somebody I don't know
0: reading is so good for you too. It I is. love reading it's so calming
1: it is it is and it's it's something that it's intimidating for a lot of people mm-hmm. but you know if if you can make kids more comfortable with it then you've done something good for them
0: when I was in second grade that was when Harry Potter came about hmm so everyone was upping their reading skills so they could read all. The, I mean, those books are big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, people in se- second grade were reading them. Yeah. yeah. I, I have, was not that advanced. <laughs> I'm not
1: going to tell you how old I was when those books came out. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I was telling my son because he's the same kind of way I am. You know, I, I caught him reading in bed the other night. You know, he's in third grade. He loves to read, he uh-huh. will read all the <laughs> time good and i walked in the other night and it was you know like an hour past his bedtime and he's in there in the dark reading <laughs> like he hasn't figured out how to you know sneak a flashlight in there yet and i hope he doesn't soon but hopefully you know, he like, doesn't
0: watch tv because it will show the flashlight oh yeah yeah
1: so but you know he was in there reading i, good for I, I used to do the same thing <laughs>
0: Like father, so, like son. Yeah,
1: <laughs> unfortunately, there's a lot about him that I'm like, oh, was I like that when I was a kid? <laughs> did I know everything? And then I remember, yeah, I did. I did. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> no.
0: Um. So this question always stumps people. So tell me a fun fact about yourself.
1: I was conceived half a world away from here. I was. Really? My parents were in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, when um, you know they moved to the state back to the states about five months before I was born. Uh, I was born in Muskogee, Oklahoma, so technically I am an Okie from Muskogee. I'm Mm -hmm. an old Merle Haggard song. (laughs) Um, I grew up in South Mississippi, not far from where Jimmy Buffett did a lot of his songwriting. Um, And now I'm here in Dothan, Alabama.
0: Do you ever visit... You said
1: Malaysia. Malaysia? Yeah. I've never been to Southeast Asia, no. And this is not a good time yeah, to Yeah, don't so. go now. No, but no, maybe, not good. I, maybe can get a it, I can get a real years. cheap flight right now. But, um, you may not be able no. to come back. I might not be able to come back, and, and I might not make it back. But mm-hmm. um, no, I haven't I haven't ever been. It's one of the things that I'd kind of like to do someday with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really have any ties to that part of the world the the even stranger thing about that is that my dad who's the the chinese part of my family my dad grew up in south america so for like three generations his family was in south america before he immigrated to the states and met my mom and then you know moved to kuala lumpur malaysia to spend three years and then came back here stateside
0: do they ever visit No, my
1: dad's passed away. I don't think he ever really got back over there. He had a brother in Singapore that I think he had been to see a couple of times. Um, I went down and and visited with one of my uncles in um, Tobago, the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, in between my ninth and tenth grade year, which was probably the coolest summer trip that I will ever take. um, Because it was just, you know, like it was... It was totally foreign country and i got on a plane with my sister in miami and we flew to you know the the furthest reaches of the caribbean and spent a month living with my uncle and my cousins down there and it was really cool it was a lot of fun it was super laid back Uh, and at the same time it was a lot of work because my aunt owned a feed store and so we would go to work with Auntie Joy in the morning, and we'd work from like eight in the morning until noon. We'd all break, and this was actually one of the really cool things, is we would all go to her mom's house for lunch. Like everybody on the island that was related to her would go to her house for lunch, and so we would have these big lunches for like 40, 50 people. Wow, that's a lot of cooking. <laughs> every day, well yeah, but you know, it was simple food. It was like curries and you know, one dish kind of wonders. Um, And then we'd go and and she'd let us go and just do whatever we felt like for the afternoon. And so we're at the beach, we're out fishing. You know, we would occasionally go to the discos at night, which was really weird because, like, here I am, you know, between ninth and tenth grade from Mississippi, (laughs) and you know, we're in a bar in a foreign country, and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, this this is not normal. But everybody's acting like it's normal, so I'm going to act like it's (laughs) normal. But yeah, that's you know. It's it's an it's a fascinating life um, that has gotten me to this point, but um, that's a that's a couple of fun facts. Then,
0: did they speak English there, or did yeah. you have to pick oh, up yeah. another language? Well,
1: the funny thing is, they spoke English, but um, there's that there's that heavy Caribbean accent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the funny thing, one of the other funny things about my life, my whole life, uh, has been that I pick up whatever accent I'm listening to. So if I'm if I'm with my wife's family, who's all from you know. Um, the the area north of Pensacola um, then I'm you know I'm right there with that kind of Florala, you know J Florida sound that you know I pick up if I'm in Charleston I pick up that thick drawl when I was bartending I'd have you know a couple come in from like Germany or somewhere like that and I would discover and I, I started having to tell people I'm not making fun of you yeah. this is just something my voice does when yeah. I hear you I'm gonna repeat that accent back to you but the fastest accents for me to fall into are that deep southern accent mm-hmm. and a caribbean accent <laughs> because of the time i spent there and because my dad's family all had it and so i hear it and it sounds like sounds like my childhood and see i've
0: picked up accents without realizing it cuz i'm originally from new york mm-hmm. upstate new york and then i lived in michigan for the past 4 years so now people hear like you have a midwest accent you like, do well, And I'm like, well, that's funny, because I'm from upstate New York, but they're like, you have a northern accent, too. And then when I visit home in upstate New York, they're like, you have a little bit of a southern twang. I was like, I don't even realize I'm picking up any of this. It just happens, I guess.
1: Yeah, it does. (laughs) Well, we all do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. we all start to sound like the voices that we hear. Yeah. Uh, But for me, it just accelerates. Mm -hmm. You know, it accelerates really quickly with those two accents.
0: Have you picked up my accent yet? Are you talking like me?
1: No, 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 no. Because I'm very cognizant of, you know, when I'm speaking into a microphone, I'm very cognizant of how I sound. So I'm thinking about like me and my voice and everything else. Uh, But I guarantee if I was around, you know, if if there were 10 of you Mm -hmm. and we were sitting around and, and, you know, relaxing and chilling out, yeah, I'd very quickly pick up whatever you know, whatever dialect I'm listening to.
0: A lot of northern accent right there. Well, my mom's
1: from Philly. <laughs> okay. So like when we would go up yeah. to Philly, it'd take me about a mm-hmm. day and I would hear things in my voice and I'm like, who is that person <laughs> speaking yeah. with, with sounds coming out of my mouth? It's just, it's just one of those things that I do. So
0: And phrases too, because the phrases here are different from what I'm used to. They
1: are. The phrases everywhere are different mm-hmm. and it's fun to, to pick them up. Well, look, so I, I said schlep at one point which is a phrase that I picked up from my brother when he was at a Jewish college because that's a Yiddish phrase for walk to oh, okay you know schlep is yeah. is you know it's a it's a walk and it might be you know it's a it, it's a schlep from here like that's a long walk um, it might be I'm just going to schlep down to the market it, it became part of my vocabulary when my brother was in college because he used it all the time and I thought I like the way that sounds mm-hmm. um, but you do you know you pick up you pick up the vocal Patterns of wherever you are. And if you stay there long enough, they become second nature. They become native to you. There's so. some
0: phrases you can't really say. Enough. Like, I studied abroad in England, so their phrases are quite different from oh, yeah. here. Oh, so yeah. one was um, our professor is like, Oh, you're going to get knocked up tomorrow? <laughs> we were like, uh. Uh, No. And, but that means like get woken up, like yes. an alarm. Mm-hmm. So like we couldn't yeah. say that phrase. Like a here. knock on
1: the door. Yeah that's the knocked up that yep. they're saying yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: so like we can't say that phrase here because it means two completely different things
1: yes it does but <laughs> yeah that's one of the reasons that they say that the u.s and the uk are mm-hmm. two countries separated by a common language mm-hmm. because we do and, you know, we say things you, know, you, you talk about the boot of a car it's the back yeah um you know it's the trunk <laughs> you say that to a person here and they're like like the CV boots, <laughs> like the uh, the constant velocity boots underneath the car that help the wheels roll. I, what are you talking about, boot?
0: So I'd be like, oh, shoes, because <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't know cars.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: Well, that's all I have. Unless there's anything else you want to add about House of Ruth or anything.
1: No, I just you know, again, it's it's a great ministry. It's a great mission. It's vital to the life of the community. The people that we serve have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And your support as a community. Means the world to the rest of their life. If that means that you want to support it in some way, please do, please do. Because, like I said, it's it's a life or death situation usually for some of these folks. Very often, we're the only people they can turn to.
0: And hopefully, a walk in a mile in her shoes does happen so that way. oh it's no going to happen. Wonders, we're going to figure
1: think. it out. We just y'all cross your fingers out there and hope that they don't make us do it in in July because House of R- we're going to do it. Yeah. But if we wind up having to do it in July. I'll tell you what, you know, if you do that, you can skip your workout for the next two days. Oh, because yeah. you, you will. Sweat it all out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling you guys, you, know, you will work muscles you did not know you mm-hmm. had. You did not know you had those no. muscles.
0: So stay tuned on the day for a walk in a mile. Her shoes. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for joining me today. It was a pleasure, today.
1: Bethany. Thank you. <laughs>
0: There is another new podcast called Coronavirus Impact on the Wiregrass. Basically, we discuss everything there is locally about the coronavirus that we need to know. And as a community, we want to keep you informed. On this podcast, I will interview the mayor, doctors, schools. On episode one, I talked to Mayor Mark Saliba. You can listen for free at our website, WKMX.com. If you would like to be featured on my podcast, send me an email, bethany at trpdothan.com. Thank you for listening to episode 39 of Welcome to the Wiregrass, brought to you by Radio People. We're going to be taking a little bit of a break from Welcome to the Wiregrass, but every week there's at least one new episode for coronavirus impact on the Wiregrass. So go give that a listen at wkmx.com.